Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to my Quantum Living Podcast at the intersection of science and spirituality. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. This podcast is an integral part of my quantum work with people with personal transformation and spiritual healing programs and powerful guided meditations. If anything on this podcast has resonated with you and you'd like to explore how you could work with me, please reach out via my website at quantumliving.com.au. Whether you are listening to the show while driving or commuting, doing chores around the house, relaxing on a couch, or flying in a spaceship across the galaxy, whatever the case may be, I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome back to Quantum Living and to the opening of the new season 5, which will be a little bit different. I'd like to start the new season with the broadest and highest perspective of my continuing exploration of how life really works, investigating the forces of life we know and those we don't know, which is really a question of how much don't we know, anyway, and looking at some key paradoxes we are dealing with trying to navigate the game of life, which, naturally, we want to win. So off I go, into a deep rabbit hole, as there are more questions than answers. Is life a game? If so, how can we learn how to play it when some rules of the game keep changing and others are just paradoxes? What does it mean to win the game of life? Win against whom? What? What's the prize? Can we win it at all? Is it about winning? You may have read The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Kovalshin, published in 1978, which is now a classic book in this narrative. But the concept of life being a game is not new. A similar concept of life being a play, which we are both directing and acting in, as a screenwriter and producer, <laughs> on top of that, has been recounted in many ancient and esoteric teachings, not in those terms, obviously. These days we like to use a more contemporary metaphor of a computer game or even a computer program. So, what do all these metaphors have in common? They all imply structure and purpose, but also that we have control over the content of our life experience while it is subject to other forces beyond our control at the same time. Hmm, here is our first paradox. The first enclave in the rabbit hole. I'll call it the primordial paradox. Figure this one out and you will have uncovered how life works. Like the elusive unifying theory of everything being relentlessly pursued by the physicists and other scientists, which would unify all the fundamental interactions or forces of nature, gravitation, the strong force, the weak force, and electromagnetism. But the rabbit hole doesn't end there. The real question is not what we know and how we can explain it, but how much we don't know about the nature of our reality. So our research could go in one of the two directions. 
either trying to explain the phenomena and facts we do know but don't understand, or what is that we don't know yet and where to find it, <laughs> which is a conundrum in itself. Personally, I'm on the second investigative pathway, leaving the first one to scientists. Truth is, this is a bottomless rabbit hole. By the way, if you are wondering why I keep referring to a rabbit hole in this context, please read the book or watch the movie What the Bleep Do We Know? Speaking of the four forces of nature, if you think that there are only four, well, think again. In 2016, research from scientists at the Institute for Nuclear Research at the Hungarian Academy of Sciences could be pointing to another previously undiscovered force in nature. They watched an energetic or excited helium atom release energy by emitting light, before returning to its unexcited state. During this process, the particles seemed to split at an unusual angle in repeated studies, always a 115-degree angle. This phenomenon involving helium has no fitting explanation basis in the four known forces that govern the natural world. And so, a fifth force involving a fundamental boson could be connecting the matter we see with the matter we can't see, or dark matter. So scientists may have already discovered a fifth fundamental force of nature they are calling X-17. How much don't we know yet? By my own estimate, our current knowledge is in the vicinity of less than 1% of all there is to know. And I feel this is pretty accurate, given that our universe is 98% dark matter and just 2% other stuff we can detect with various technologies, as our scientists claim. I love exploring paradoxes, and they are important elements of life. If nothing else, they give us something to think about. <laughs> they remind me of those impossible-to-solve puzzles you can give to small children or animals at the zoo just to keep them occupied with the never-ending tasks. <laughs> so let me give you another curious paradox to mull over. If no one observes me, do I exist? One of my all-favorite paradoxes is time, which does and does not exist at the same time. You might like to read my blog about it on my podcast website. Now, I'd like to share with you my latest insight about time, specifically about the point of now, which is not in my blog. Let me put it in a context for you. Our life experience, when presented on a timeline, is like a movie. A standard movie plays at 24 frames per second. You could think of the snapshot in each single frame as the now. So when you are watching a movie, each second contains 24 moments of now, right? Therefore, one might say that now lasts 1 24th of a second, which is a teeny tiny amount of time. I mean, try to blink 24 times in one second. Impossible. <laughs> I propose that if we wanted to measure it against a timeline, the mysterious point of now would be equivalent to 1 nanosecond which is one billionth of a second. 
Try to imagine that. So, is life a game? I often wish that we were born with the How Life Works manual encoded in our brain. But then again, if we knew everything about life from the start, it wouldn't be so much fun now, would it? <laughs> Okay, now it is time to introduce my special guest in this inaugural Season 5 episode, Maren Muter, who joins me from the U.S. East Coast. Maren is an author and explorer of the intricate nature of consciousness, the relationship between the mind and the universe, and the role of quantum mechanics in shaping our understanding of reality. She's been working in this field for many years, and has authored several books, including the upcoming and eagerly awaited The Quantum Brain, Understanding Parallel Lives. You will find more information about Marin and her work in this episode's show notes on my podcast website at quantumlivingpodcast.com. Hello, Marin. Welcome to Quantum Living. It's a pleasure to have you on my show especially in this inaugural episode in the new season five. <laughs> How are you? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to kind of break the ice here with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I already know that we'll have an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for your time. I titled this episode, The Game of Life. As I wanted to open this new season of my podcast from the broadest and highest perspective of my continuing exploration of how life really works. In this episode, I'd like to start exploring the paradoxes of life. And the underlying questions are, how can we learn how to play the game of life with so many paradoxes? And what is the purpose? Of a paradox. Because at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that life is a game. Now, a game normally has rules so that all participants knew how to play it. But then, of course, the individual outcomes will be different depending on the skills required to play the game and perhaps some luck. For example, when you throw the dice, and you never know what you will get. And what you do get could move you forward or could stop you or even push you back, depending on the game. <laughs> so I think we could extrapolate this metaphor to all aspects of life. What do you think? I think to a point, yes. I personally think that if we are rolling a dice we are going to be playing out every side of that dice. So just because it shows when we're looking at it, the number six is up, we're actually going to be realizing and playing out just as real and tangible as we are every single side of that dice. Because in order to have balance in our life, we have to understand it from all the different angles. So we can't just have a life that goes from point A to point B. 
we're living out a third dimensional life and and that means that we're going to be playing out every side of every choice every side of every scenario and we might not see that at this vantage point because of our veil but this me and this you that are playing out is doing all of it <laughs> yes yes and this is a beautiful point thank you which i'm sure we will talk more about as we discuss a couple of key paradoxes and it and this will come out but i guess my point was that say if you throw just one dice say in a table game you have one of six choices when you throw two or three like you do in some games the number of possible outcomes obviously multiplies and is different So my point is that we don't know what will show up. And the outcome that is clearly visible to us under the rules of the game will either progress us to the next step or will stop us or even push us back. But I love your point because it expands beautifully to our conversation. Now, a paradox is a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet it appears to be true so that's that's the definition of a paradox so let's explore a couple of the most known paradoxes of life the most dreaded paradox in the art of manifestation or changing our reality is the paradox of wanting and letting go at the same time in order to manifest what we want so to continue our table game metaphor If one of the rules says you need to throw the dice now to progress to the next step, but you won't be able to leave your current position if you throw the dice. So, so the rule is presenting us with an impossible paradox of doing something and not doing it at the same time to achieve our desired outcome. Could you speak to this, please? Sure. I think that... The way you explained it, saying we have to roll the dice in order to progress, but we can't leave where we are. And so that's a paradox. But if we step back and actually look at what that says, it says you don't need to do anything because life is going to unfold whether you throw that dice or not. It's just like swimming. If you're swimming and you go in the water and you tense all of your muscles, you're going to sink like a rock. But if you look in the, at an Olympic swimmer, what they have had to learn how to do is not only utilize their muscles, but also keep their bodies completely relaxed in the water to create that balance. So when we're playing that dice game and we're rolling that dice, as we're doing that, if you can just also imagine you're going to the bathroom and you have a sink full of water and If you don't roll that dice, that's like trying to grab the water with your fists. You're not going to get much. In order to progress, you're still standing there. You need to scoop the water. You need to let go of that dice. You need to relax your hands and cup them. And all of a sudden, now you can take a drink because now you can actually hold the water in your hands. So if we step back and we look at that metaphor, at that paradox, it's saying, relax. Because when you relax, you will be able to do it. If you don't relax, 
it's going to, you're tensing up and you're going to sink and drown. And that dice is never going to leave your hand. Mm, I'm loving it. Oh, thank you. I'm absolutely loving it. Your point about not doing anything, still producing a result is absolutely perfect. So thank you. Yes. So how can we learn this process? Is there a formula? How can we learn it? Yeah. You know, one one of the hardest parts about learning this is we have a lot of noise, especially in Western culture, that tells us what we have to do, we have to do, we have to do. And whether it's in the media or the news or through marketing, we have all of these we have to do's in order to live a good life. And if we don't do these, we're not going to have a good life, which we know is hogwash because we can turn everything off. (laughs) We can have our electricity go out and we can have to live by candlelight for a day or whatever. And we're still alive. We're still going to be okay. We're still going to be able to function and figure things out. And when we turn that noise off, then all of a sudden we get our intuition. And our intuition is not going to steer us astray. Our intuition is going to lead us and allow life to unfold in such a manner that no matter what it unfolds into, good or bad, we're going to be able to continue forward. We're, we're going to be able to figure out a way to stand or, or sit and, and get a rest while we're doing this. So when I when I talk to people, there there's a couple metaphors that I do use, especially when people tell me, I, I had one woman tell me one time, and she showed me this picture of this beautiful, pristine beach. There's no footprints on it. There's palm trees and beautiful rocks and a beautifully peaceful ocean. And she says, this is what I want my life to look like. And so I said, wow, that is a beautifully stunning image. And I said, I want you to think about this just for a moment. You don't even have to answer me. How did the sand get so pristine? How did that beach end up looking with no footprints anywhere? And she thought about it and she thought about it. And she says, I I don't know. And I said, think of all the storms. Think of all the storms that had to break the shells and break the rock in order to create the sand. And the water that had to lap up onto that beach in order to wash those footprints away. Our life is going to be full of storms and we are going to have respites of pristine beaches. But in order to have those respites, we have to have those storms. So the, the way that we find a a path through this paradox of letting go and still wanting is allowing ourselves to relax, to think of the ocean and know that there are waves that might feel like they're drowning us, but the waves come in sets and they wash back out and it will calm down again and we are going to be able to relax. If we fight it, we're going to be swimming in that wave and we're going to be hitting our head on the bottom of the ocean every single time we try to swim. But if we relax, we come right up to the top of that washing machine of foam and (laughs) we're okay. We'll be okay. So we just can't fight life. If we fight it, we're, we're going to be fighting ourselves.
Thank you. This is precious. Thank you for your insight. I'm absolutely loving it. Thank you. We need to stop fighting life and we will get where we need to go. Beautiful. Okay, the next one. Another famous paradox of life is the paradox of free will and destiny. And in spite of many schools of thought explaining it in many different ways, I still consider it as a paradox because you either have free will or you have destiny, unless you introduce certain qualifiers, such as you have a total free will, but only between incarnations, which is the time when you design your destiny. But once you are born, your free will is quite limited, which is, by the way, my own understanding. So using our table game metaphor again, one of the rules says you can move forward only on your designated pathway and or you can choose how you can get to your destination. Now, the rule doesn't tell you <laughs> the scope of your choice. So we need to guess. Could you speak to this, please? <laughs> okay. So you're gonna get so you're gonna get it from my angle, I guess. And we'll see how it comes. We'll see how yes, it plays out. Yes, please. Okay. And so we cannot have free will without destiny. And we cannot have destiny without free will. Because we have to have the yin and yang of everything. When we are created, when this body was formed at its inception when the sperm hit the egg, a literal zinc explosion went off, just like a firework, just like the sun and all the many rays of the sun. And each one of those rays is a potential of this life. And our brain in development is taking each one of those potentials and putting a teeny tiny little earthbound veil on it, not veiling from here and the, the ethereal, which it does in a grand scale. But on the earthbound scale, it's veiling every single potential that this life could live. Now, we want to also look at what the end point of this. So the end point of this incarnation of life is death. That's all it is for all of us. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars. It doesn't matter if you have no money. It doesn't matter if you had a family or no family. Your end result, the end of the game is your death. Now, when we look at consciousness, when we look at the ethereal side of consciousness, because consciousness and your soul does not reside inside this body, it resides outside this body. And if we look at what this body actually is, this body is playing out the thought process of our consciousness only one of our thought processes of the consciousness, but it's looking at every single possibility just as real and as tangible as this one. In quantum theory, we can look at um, what's referred to as the principle of least action. And that's when one particle plays out every single possibility, every single endpoint, and it essentially takes the best path. Okay, so it's not really just a path, but it, it, it sums all of those things up and reduces it down to the smallest point for the movement of this particle. Our body is no bigger than a particle. 
probably less size when we look at a universal scale. Our body is less than the size of a particle. And we are playing out this principle of least action. So when we look at free will and destiny, the destiny is this. We are going to experience everything this life has to offer. When you go in and you buy the lottery ticket, you are going to win the lottery and you are not going to win the lottery. When you go and, um, let me think, uh, when you want to go get ice cream, I use this all the time, I'm be laughing. Vanilla and chocolate ice cream. You're gonna pick either vanilla and chocolate ice cream when you're standing there, but you're actually going to pick both vanilla and chocolate ice cream. And your consciousness is gonna play out what happens when we picked the chocolate ice cream and what happens when we picked the vanilla ice cream. So destiny is set, everything is going to happen to you. Your free will comes into place in how are you going to react and respond? How are you going to behave in these environments? How are you going to react and respond to things that are completely out of your control? So you can't control the events in your life, no matter how much we want to, we've all tried it, (laughs) but we can't control exterior things. We can't control another human being, We can't control how they're going to react. The only thing that we get to pick is how we react and respond and how we are going to behave in these scenarios. So that's where free will and destiny come into play, at least for me. (laughs) At least for me, that's that's my understanding of it. Okay, thank you. That's really interesting. But I would like to ask at this point, and I understand the concept, which in my mind you are talking about creating parallel timelines. But my point is, okay, if that's the case, and this is the extent of our choice, my point is, is this our choice in terms of where our consciousness goes with which of the available choices? And can we influence it? In other words, can we change our destiny? If you think of destiny as our consciously chosen pathway, but at the end of the day, we may not like it, we may not want it. So there's an interesting you know, conundrum. Can we change our destiny? For example, if there is something happening in your life and you don't want this event to be happening, can you change it? Or are there only certain events, which is my understanding, that we can effect and change, but there are certain what I called non-negotiables or like non-negotiable points of your destiny that are set in stone, which can't be changed. And they can be linked to a timeline. So some things happening at certain points in your life and you can't change the timeline or certain events are meant to happen. For example, you will move to a certain country, you relocate to a certain country or you will marry a certain person, and your destiny is non-negotiable, so you can't change it, or can you? Okay, so (laughs) I, I don't believe that we have a timeline. I don't believe that we're living a point A to point B life. Okay. Um, I use, I use the term parallel, because it's something that people can understand, they can understand like two lines, because most everybody believes that we are living on a point A to point B life. The only destiny that you're not going to be able to change is death. Um, 
you can't take an event and and change that the only thing you're going to be able to change is your mindset on how you're going through this so for me for example um my son passed away and i knew he was going to pass away no matter what i did i wasn't going to be able to change that so we cannot change destiny destiny is already set it's there all we can do is change our mindset. So if we look at how parallel lives work, our brain is as focused on every single one of these trajectories, these different possibilities, just as much as it is on this particular one that we think that we're the only one that we're on. So there's two ways we can look at it. Number one, if I create a website and now Marin is this website, and every single computer in the world pulls up Marin's website. My website, me, doesn't really, or let's say that you pulled up my website and Joe pulled up my website and Uncle Bob pulled up my website. My website that you pulled up, which is still me, same exact website, doesn't need to know what Uncle Bob is doing. And for you, on that particular website pulling up, it feels like, that website is only created for you. you. That is the only person looking at this website and same for Uncle Bob. Our brain is doing that. So our brain is the central website and it veils out every single possibility. So every single one of these possibilities, every single one of these firework that shoots off, literally shoots off at our inception, every single one of those starbursts thinks that that is the only trajectory that we are focused on. <laughs> I know it's a big thing, but we have to remember that we live in a third dimensional plane. Because we live in a third dimensional plane, our eyes are designed to see two dimensional. So how do we know this? How do we know that we don't actually see 3D? If I was to ask you to hold an apple, I just want you to hold the apple by its stem. Can you see the whole apple? Can you see on the opposite side of the apple? Can you see on the inside of the apple? Well, in order for us to live a three-dimensional life and be as whole as the apple is, that means there's a lot more to this life that we are not seeing. That's a very interesting point. Very, I haven't heard this view before that even in our 3D reality, we are still not experiencing and not perceiving everything there is in this 3D reality. I'm loving it. That's correct. That's correct. That's what that's what this whole book is about. Yes. It's it's the first it's just the introduction to the idea and <laughs> I tried to write the book yes. so it would hopefully be digestible because it's a it's a big concept. It is my theory. It's I came up with it actually when I was a child when I was yes. writing these yes. theories down yes. and burying them. Um, and so as I grew up, then I, I started teaching about it and, and using quantum theoretics and the understanding of quantum theoretics that people are familiar with to show and back up this theory saying, this is how it works. And we are no bigger than a particle when we step back. So what we're observing in particles, we are actually playing out. Wow. Thank you. This is really a super interesting point of view. 
Thank you. Because it expands our horizons even further, not just to other dimensions, but within the dimension that we are currently experiencing. Beautiful. Well, Maren, I think we need to continue this conversation (laughs) (laughs) because, yes, we just scratched Mm -hmm. the surface. One uh, final point I would like to make is that, and I have read your book, I understand that it will be published when? Soon-ish? Yeah, it's it's, it's soon. Soon. It's in print right now. It's in print right now. So So, um, hopefully by the end of the month. Lovely. So because this, this podcast will be released most likely before it is published, what I might ask you, once it is published, if you could please send me a link to it. Of course. I gather it will be on Amazon or, or wherever it will be available or on your website. If you could please send me a link to it so I will add it to the show notes. And I'm encouraging our listeners to please come back to the show notes, uh, maybe in a couple of, of weeks' time or just keep checking for that link. Uh, once the book is published and it will be available. I have read the book and it's it's unusual in a sense. It's very insightful. It's very accessible in terms of how the information is presented. But there is one other comment I would like to add about the book. And I don't know whether you have received this feedback from other people who have read it already as well. But when I finished the book, I had a very strong sense that it is unfinished. In a sense, there is more. It's almost like the book is the first chapter of a larger book or a bigger book. Yes. So in other words, I was left with a sense of wanting more and waiting for more. So that was almost like mm-hmm. like an introduction. <laughs> so, so my question is... Yeah, even writing it, I was feeling the same yes, way. Yes, which is interesting. I think the reason why... Yeah. I think the reason why I did that was because I wanted to give the introduction and allow people the time to kind of digest the introduction mm. and then ask me questions because I want to see where, what questions come next from people. You know, what, what is next? What, what are your next questions to this? Because then that will help tailor the books to follow. So okay. each book will introduce more And it does, it does need to be introduced in small segments because people have never heard it before. (laughs) And so we're going right now, we're taking you from a point A to point B life to living something much more spectacular Mm. and absolutely much more beautiful than we can even imagine. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. So there will be a, a sequel, the book sequel, and there will be a Mm -hmm. sequel, if you like, to our conversation on another episode of Quantum Living. So thank you so much, Maren, for this beautiful conversation, albeit a bit short, but hopefully it will give our listeners a taste of what is still to come. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you really loved it, Please post a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to encourage others to listen to it. For the show notes, guest and podcast info, reviews, comments and much more, please visit quantumlivingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to dive deeper into quantum living and explore how you could work with me, please contact me and I'd be delighted to help and support you on your quantum journey. 
I am your host, Anna Anderson. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, keep your vibrations high and be well.